Well, today, super excited to get to welcome uh, one of my players, current players at the University of Washington, uh, Brooke Nelson. So glad to have you with us today, Brooke. Um, Brooke is a pitcher and infielder, uh, power hitter, awesome individual, awesome person, um, does a lot of great things for our youth. So um, I only thought it was great and important that I had her on this um, little podcast that I'm doing. Um, she had me on hers as well. So um, if you haven't checked it out, look her up uh, off the dirt with Brooke Nelson as well. So Brooke, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been fun to see your business grow and thrive, and I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Cool. Well, so super big on this idea of confidence and owning her power and, you know, just speaking a little bit about who you are and what you are, what you bring to the table, your strengths, things like that. And so I always start with a question that most people hate to answer, um, but I think it's super important that people hear a little bit about you and about your accolades and the things that you've done and, and the things that you've accomplished thus far. So, you know, maybe tell me a little bit, Brooke, about um, where you come from as far as like your playing career and, you know, how did you get to the University of Washington and kind of maybe what some of your aspirations might be moving forward. Yeah. So I grew up an hour South of campus. So in Bonnie Lake, Washington, I went to Bonnie Lake high school. Um, I grew up around the university. My dad was a walk-on for the football team. He graduated um, from the communication department and now he's a Seattle firefighter. Um, so we just kind of grew up around the university. I grew up with mom and dad going to football games in the old stadium with Don James. And, um, I was like six months old and a baby Bjorn and all that good stuff. So, and then as I got older, started going to like more and more camps, we would go to like basketball camps, volleyball, like anything I could get my hands on as a little kid. Um, and so like, it was kind of always like the hometown dream, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so it was like everything I did in life and in school, it was for that dream. And so like in school, when like teachers would ask, okay, write down a goal of yours. It was always play softball at the University of Washington. And so it was like everything that was like a backbone for everything I did. So like when I, it's 1130 and I'm sitting at the dining room table, struggling to do my math homework in 10th grade, you know, it's like, okay, I want to go to the University of Washington. Like I need to do this. Right. And then hindsight, okay, maybe that one math assi assignment didn't fully matter, but just having that like overarching goal for kind of everything I did. Um, and I grew up playing club softball around here. I played for the Washington Acers at Auburn until I was 14. And then I played a year with team Seattle. And then I finished my last three years for the Northwest bullets out of Oregon. Okay, nice. That's cool. And so, you know, uh, I think you said a couple of things that were important there. So I'm going to pull out one thing first. Um, mm -hmm about, you know, when you're sitting at the table at 1130 at night doing your homework, um, you know, when we talk about goal setting with my athletes that I work with, like we spend a lot of time talking about the benefits and the costs um, of a goal. And like, basically we get down to the point of do the benefits outweigh the cost or do the cost outweigh the benefits. And, and so, I think when you have a goal and a dream, it's exciting. People want to do it, but sometimes those dreams, the motivations of those dreams will go away. Um, and if you don't have the dedication and the commitment that comes with it, 
um, you know, you will never get there. So um, I'm just excited to hear that, like, you know, you had that not just motivation and dream, but you had the commitment and dedication to get there. So that's super, super cool that to, for, to hear that. Um, and the second piece of that is that, you know, you just kind of knew that you was like you had this kind of like feeling on the inside that that was the place that you wanted to be. And I'm just curious, like, was it like a culture thing? Was it a coaching thing? Um, was it a player thing? What kind of like drew you into the University of Washington? Um, at least with softball, it was definitely, I mean, of course you have the players that you like idolize when you were younger. Like there's pictures of me with Danielle Laurie when she had her blonde hair and I was wearing a Hollister, whatever jacket. So it was, it's funny to like, look back on those. So we definitely grew up, um, going to those games. I'm thinking of, I mean, especially now around the holidays, we'll go through, like those different like photo albums and then you see the embarrassing ones of yourself. And I remember, I don't know what grade I was in, but it was when Kylie Lawners was on the team and she had wore, she wore these big black framed, like thick box glasses kind of deal. Yeah. And I was such a Kylie Lawners fan that I showed up. To, I had, I had braces. There was a lot going on, but I showed up, I popped the lenses out of like the 3d movie glasses and I wore that to a game. Oh. And I like had a little sign. And so the picture is somewhere, but I saw it the other day and it was so funny just to see, you know, now that we're on the other side of it, that I want to be that sort of role model for those individuals. But I would say it's probably like a culture thing, um, right. And from the outside, you don't fully know what that culture is, but there's something about that culture that's drawing you in. Um, and I think it was definitely how, I'd say the players interacted with each other. I mean, I think that's a really good indicator of how the culture is, is at least for me, it's easy to draw out kind of like fake interactions or like not super authentic. Yeah. Um, and so I would say even just like going to camps, it was just, and I always say this to people when they ask like, Oh, I don't know where to go. I need help with recruiting. And it's like, I can help you all you want, but it comes down to what do you want? And then I always encourage people to, you need to go, obviously you need to go to camps, but you really need to go set foot on that campus in person mm. because right. I took a bunch of other visits and it was, you get a, it's hard to explain, but you get a feel like, mm. Oh, this is nice, but I don't know. Or this is it. Yeah. Right. And so you have schools and stuff that you're interested in. And so I would always encourage, and even if it's far away, I mean, maybe somehow you can make a trip out of it. Yeah. Um, but just encouraging step foot in person. It's the same thing with like club teams, right? You're trying out for three different teams in the summer. Go to each trial. Don't just take an offer because of it. Like yeah. you got to feel it out. That's right. Awesome. I remember feeling that after team Seattle, I had aged out and I'm thinking, crap, where do I go? Um, and then someone had mentioned the name of the Northwoods bullets out of Oregon. And I was like, well, it's like two, three hours away from home. Do I really want to make that trip on the weekends? I don't know. And then I went down to a tryout and I was, I mean, the tryout was two, three hours, but I was there for maybe 45 minutes and was like, I want to play here. Like, I don't really care how long the commitment is, you know? So it's just, I would say the culture, but it was definitely a feel that you got right away that this is, this feels right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned something about, um, you know, when you talk to, to athletes and other people about recruiting, you mentioned the idea that, um, 
you have to know what you want. And I'm just curious, you know, during your entire process of, you know, different travel teams and deciding that, you know, you did was the place you wanted to go. Like, like, how did you, how did you like, what were some things that you did to learn? Like, well, what do I actually want out of this experience, out of a school, out of a team, out of a coach? Like what, how did you, how did you come up with that? Yeah. So I can't remember who suggested this idea to me, but this is something that I did. And then I'll always refer, um, to my other athletes. Um, but I, it's just, you take out a paper and pencil and it's just kind of, you start with, you know, and you don't need to know. I think the toughest thing is what, what do you want? What do you want to have a job in? What do you want to study? You know, I didn't, I had no idea. I didn't figure that out until, I mean, I'm a junior and I still don't fully know what I want to do. Um, so, I mean, even on the school piece, like, what do you enjoy? Like, do you enjoy science? Do you enjoy math? And you don't need to know anything super, super specific, but, and then do you want the sun? Do you want to be, Oh, people are going to love that. <laughs> um, do you want, like, do you want really sunny environment or does that, is that not really a huge factor? Do you want, I think one of the big things is how far away you want to be from home. Like, do you want to be a plane right away yeah. or do you want to be a drive away? Um, for me, that wasn't a huge, huge factor, like the plane or drive, but, and then what do you want out of a coach? Mm. I'd say just different like leadership characteristics. I would suggest like putting down kind yeah. of, do you want really good communication? Do you want, I mean, you could go on and on about different characteristics, but even then when you kind of nail down those different characteristics with you want in a coach, um, I mean, emails are super, super important, but I always encourage a phone call just because yeah. once you're on the phone, you can talk about anything and you can be, you can ask the questions you want answers to as on it, whether, I mean, you might not like the answer, but you're going to get the, you're going to get an answer if you ask them. Um, and so I remember asking coach Tar, I guess two big questions that I was even nervous to ask, but now I'm like, I'm glad I asked them. It was kind of, what do I need to do to be right? And I graduated in the 2019 class. And so what do I need to do to be a 2019 commit? Right. And then it was just like, boom, here's your answer. All right. And that's exactly what I wanted to know. Um, and I remember also asking her, like, how would you describe um, your leadership style or your coaching style? And so getting to hear that from her and then also um, like compare that to questions I had asked coaches or other people that was, that was really useful, but like putting it on paper and pencil and just having just, again, you don't need to know, I want to major in X, Y, Z, but just different, I guess, aspects was important and helpful for me. I love that. I love that. And I love that you uh, gave those two questions um, because they are super valuable. But I also love how you're encouraging people to go visit, um, you know, especially when you're younger, like when you're kind of experiencing just this whole atmosphere of like, okay, like college at the next level, like what that looks like. And, you know, some of the young ones are like, well, I'm too young for this, but I'm not old enough for this. So it's like, to me, that's a perfect time to like, go watch a game. Even if you watch them on TV, watch a game on TV. Like, you know, how are the players responding to the coaches? How are the coaches responding in uh, pressure situations or in fun situations? Like, are they showing themselves um, fully? And are you able to kind of see that and say like, okay, I can see myself fitting into that sort of dynamic of, of a, of a, of a team. So um, I think that's really great advice. And um, the, the thing you said about, putting pen to paper and kind of just starting to write down the things that you 
might be looking for. And, you know, right, as you're young, you might not know yet, but I love that. And, and I'm wondering, was that like a mentor or someone that kind of gave you that advice or was it like a coach or your parents or who, who kind of gave you that advice? Yeah, I think I remember, right. Cause when I was going through the recruiting process, it was the old rule. So there was no time frame on when you commit, which I think that's, first of all, I think that's the greatest thing that could have ever happened for college, at least on the recruiting part. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you can't drive a motor vehicle legally, I don't know if you should be studying in college. You just don't know what you want. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people hit their athletic peak at different times. Sure. Um, but that was a sidetrack. But I think, I think I did that sort of thing when I was like 13, 14. And again, that was ridiculously young, but it, you may not start the whole recruiting process of like talking in the camps, but I don't know if it's ever too early just to start. What do we want? And that can change over time Yes. as you start to figure out more about yourself. But then, okay, I had that list and then let me just look up schools. Yeah. Schools that are sunny, schools <laughs> that are an hour away from home. And just, you kind of get this idea. Um, but I think it was a, I think it was a combination of like, mom and dad slash coaches. Yeah. I think I was the one that decided it on pencil, um, paper and pencil, but I think the idea of outlining what you want was kind of like a combination of multiple mentors. Yeah. That's awesome. And so the reason why I asked about the mentor piece is because, um, I strongly believe, and it might not necessarily uh, present itself in a mentor per se, but I believe that like everyone needs to have a community and everyone needs to have a support system uh, because this sport, um, life in general, uh, is a challenge. It's a hard thing to grasp. And so one of my questions was like, you know, when something could have stopped you from reaching this goal, like how did the how did the support or the community that you had kind of help you keep pushing through? And so I'm just curious, um, you know, what maybe obstacles you were able to overcome because of a, a good support system, if, if, if so. Yeah, I would say growing up kind of with club ball, select ball, whatever you want to call it. Um, I always, and it, that was definitely a mom and dad encouraging, but I always had played up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't play any years of 12U. I didn't play any years of 16U. So I played multiple years of 14U and multiple years of 18U. And I remember the first time I was at 14U, it was hard. I was getting my butt kicked. I was not the best one on the team. I didn't play much. And then it was like, I had no other option than to figure it out and figure out how to be better. And so that kind of competitive piece, and it was hard. And I remember like coming home and just struggling and, you know, mom and dad, I think I was very reliant on the support system of mom and dad, just because I'm grateful to come from a marriage that's still like together and intact and they're happy and that sort of thing. Um, and just because there was a lot of, like, I, like I said, I played for multiple teams. And so there wasn't a super, super consistent, like, okay, I had this coach all my life. And so I think I resorted to mom and dad. Um, but yeah, I would just say playing up. And then I remember when I got to 18, that was even harder just because people were, some people were ready to go to college. And I remember my very first year of 18, um, that was Pat Moore, who's on our team right now's senior year. Mm. And I got, again, I got my butt kicked, but I made the team because he saw the potential and the worth that work ethic. Um, 
and again, it was like, okay, I just, I don't have another, and, and I wanted to do it. So it wasn't like forced upon me. Um, but kind of rising up to the challenge was a good and healthy thing for me, I think. And so, I, I mean, that wasn't a super giant obstacle that I faced, but I think it was an obstacle that I faced frequently, like yeah. again, not being the best, because I think if you're always like, if you don't challenge yourself with club teams and different aspects of the game, I think it's hard for you to rise up to the challenge. that's not really present. Like you just, I think it's, it then becomes easy to stay stagnant. So yeah. when you challenge yourself with other individuals, um, and, so, and even when I will coach pitching, like I enjoy and they enjoy pitching next to another pitcher mm. because whether you're doing a specific drill to compete against each other, there's someone next to you. And so you're naturally going to compete against them. And I remember being younger and taking pitching lessons and there would be an older girl and sure. She was like eight miles an hour faster than me, but it was like, okay, I want to do that. <laughs> like Trying to be that, I guess. Yeah. 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 I love that. It's uh, we say this saying um, in this organization I'm a part of, it's called we coach and um, it's always the, the acronym or the, the hashtag see her, be her. And so, you know, competition is healthy and um, if you allow it to be healthy. And I think that, like you said, like, you didn't, you took it as a challenge, right. In, in a way where it's like, Oh, well, I want to get there too. So like, what do I got to do to like put myself in that position? So I think that's awesome to hear you say, and I think, I hope that everyone like really got that point that you just mentioned there. Cause it's super valuable and important. Um, and so now let's say if we transitioned you, like now you're in college. Um, and, and I think it's important because some athletes like, Oh, like I got the scholarship, like I'm there now, like, and, and like I've made it. And it's like, uh, I don't know if you made it yet, you know? So maybe talk to us a little about some of the struggles you had to face, like going into college as a freshman and like, you know, what, what were some differences that you had to kind of like, Oh, like, gosh, this is a real deal now. Uh, maybe what were some of those awakening moments that you had? Um, well, I feel like the, like each level that you get, whether it's 10 to 12, you 16 to 18, 18 to college, I think the more you go up, the easier it is to feel kind of like you're in a fishbowl that there's more and more and more eyes on you. And so I think that was a big adjustment. Um, and I think obviously just like the competition aspect. Um, but I think for me, I had never really struggled with like mental health until I got to college. And so that was something that, okay, I was having all of these like depressive symptoms, but I didn't know what they meant. I didn't know that that's what it was. And so it was kind of like, okay, it's, it's fine. I'm just probably adjusting. It's going to take me a bit, whatever. And then they didn't go away. And then they started to affect like everything else. And so I remember reaching out to a older trusted teammate and like, Hey, you should talk to someone and come to find out having more and more conversations that sort of depressive trait, whether it's a gene, whatever is super expressive all throughout my dad's side of the family. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's kind of a genetic thing, which yeah. I had no idea. Cause that wasn't a conversation that had ever come up. And yeah. so I think for me at least, and I know not everyone hits that wall, but I think for me, at least that was the big thing coming in like, okay, I'm trying to figure out all of this softball stuff. Um, 
but then I've got this other thing in the way. Um, but I guess on the lane of softball, I think the hardest thing for me, and I, and I see it in each new class, at least at UW is you've, you feel like you've got it all, but then you feel like you don't have it all because there's a completely different language that each team speaks. And so it's like, you know, the skills, but it's like, you don't know how to not communicate, but like different languages, like even with pitching. Okay. It used to be inside, outside. Now it's arm side, glove side. Okay. That's not that hard, but then you add on a hundred other different vocab words and it's like, okay, wait, what? But then once you've got it, you've got it. And that's what I always, right. I see, I've seen our freshmen struggle with that. And it's like, you're fine. Like try and grasp a couple words, whatever at a time. And again, once you got it, you got it. Yeah. And so eventually you've got the whole language and it's going to take time to like figure out that language. But again, not a lot of people are just going to change their language of their program. Like it's, like the language is the language. And once you adapt to it, then, then you're good. I think at least that was a, okay, I didn't prepare for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you, and it's, it's interesting. You can't, you know, in a lot of ways, yeah. like, and I think that's the, that's the piece that piece that is like sort of scary for athletes that come into programs or even their parents. I think, I think parents are sometimes super overbearing because they want to keep their athletes in this like safety bubble of things. And, and sometimes when you have to let them go to college, like they don't, they know that there's things they're going to have to face that like, you know, maybe if I wouldn't have coddled them so much, they could have like grown a little bit of tough skin to work through some of the things they're going to have to work through. And so it's this weird dynamic that I've been learning to work through with like the players that I work with and their parents. Um, And so uh, thanks for also sharing about uh, mental health. Cause I think that's something that is uh, swept under the rug. And I think it's cool to know that, uh, I don't know if it's cool, but like, it's cool to know that like it came from somewhere for you. Like it was something that like you got to learn more about your family and your dad and your family side of your dad's side of the family with that sort of gene. And I think sometimes though, it's not always genetic. Right. And, and I think some sort of mindset struggle will come uh, when you start to play at a caliber of, of, of athletics that you were playing at. And, and so I'm curious and, and I know internally, but I think I, it's cool for other people to hear, like, but what are some things that the program is doing at UW specifically uh, to kind of help our athletes um, kind of train their mindset a little bit better to like deal with the anxieties and pressures of playing at such a high caliber? Yeah, I'd say self-talk is the biggest just because right. When I was going through like high school and stuff and playing high school ball and club ball, like, yeah, I would have decent self-talk, but I wouldn't prioritize as like, okay, I'm working on this. And I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my like focus for the game or whatever. That would just kind of be in the back of the file cabinet in my brain. Um, but I'd say that's a huge thing and I've learned how to be better at that. And for me, I have to, externalize the talk. Like I have to vocally say it to myself out loud. And so it doesn't have to be this huge, but if it just stays up here, it's easy for me to just brush it off or forget it. But if I say it, I have to think about for it to come out of my mouth and then I have to hear it come back in. Um, and so I think like, even if I'm in the box or off a tee or pitching, it's like saying 
to myself out loud, you got this, you own this, whatever. Um, And then eventually it starts to become this thought. I love it. I love that for sure. Thank you for uh, for sharing that. And then just on the school side of school, because I think, you know, a lot of times we get super athletic heavy on here and I'm always like trying to create the holistic, well, well-versed athlete that's going to, yeah. you know, be a, a force of nature in the world. Um, you know, what maybe are some differences you had to face when it came to like college, like actual education um, and kind of what are some things you're doing to work through those struggles? Yeah. I'd say at least one of the best things I did for myself and looking back, yeah, it was a lot, but I'm glad I did it is in high school, I made myself as busy as humanly possible, whether I intentionally meant to do that or not. Right. I played two sports. I played volleyball in the fall. I played softball in the spring. I was in ASB. I was in honor society. Like I did all these things. And so my parents were always doing too much, drop something. And I'm like, no, I like it, whatever. Um, and so I always said, no, I never dropped anything, <laughs> but I'm sure they weren't like thrilled about that. But, and then on top of taking over my four years, taking five AP classes, I think honestly, that was the best thing I could have done for myself just because you are super, super busy. And I, I had to learn how to time manage well in high school. And then I went into college already with those tools in my toolbox. And I think that's the biggest thing when people always ask, how do you manage football and school. The one thing I always, always say is time management. Yeah. And I'm a big, again, I'm a big paper on pencil. And so when I'm doing my stuff, I have an absurd amount of sticky notes, (laughs) but I'm a big, like just everything in my brain that I have to do, I need to dump it on paper because if it stays up here, it ain't going to happen. And so, okay, I have to do like, I'll just write on a sticky note. Okay. I have to do this discussion post. I have to send this email. I have to da, 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 da. And so I think time managing and that aspect of just making sure you write everything down. So you don't miss anything just because you do get busy and yeah, you get home late. And, but I think it's super, super manageable. And so I think the better that you can figure out how to manage your time and right. Not everyone is paper on pencil and I know some people have really benefited from a planner and some people have really benefited from having their calendar on their phone and, or having reminders on their phone. Like that's something sometimes that I'll do if I know that I have something maybe in a week. Okay. I need to remember on the 31st at noon, I need to do this. Like there's no way I'm going to remember that. So let me put it in my phone and then it pops up. It's like, Oh yeah. Good job, bro. Like pat on the back. Um, But I think at least adjustment, I think the school aspect was the school aspect. Like it wasn't a huge jump. Um, But I think just, I think the hardest thing for people sometimes is how do I manage my time better? Yeah. Uh, Because in a lot of cases you're losing the structure per se that you would maybe have. um, Yeah. It becomes on you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, so switching gears a little bit, uh, I, I'm big on, you know, already mindset and confidence and success. And, um, I take my athletes through, uh, what I call a success checklist. And it kind of just all of a sudden came up because I would ask them different questions and I was like, Oh, a success checklist. Like <laughs> there it is. This sounds um, good. And we start that though, by determining or defining like what success means to us. And so I would ask you the question, um, what does success mean to you? Like, how do you define it? Um, I'd say I kind of defined it as a math equation. It sounds kind of nerdy because I don't like math, <laughs> um, but 
like you've got your your giant end product that you want, a national championship, uh, whatever. You could have as many end products as you want. But then it's like this very simple equation of like the little wins add up. And I think for me, my version of success prior to college was the end product. And now I've started to trickle it back to, hey, you can't get the end product if you don't add all of or add and subtract all of these things like you got to subtract the distractions and you've got to add whatever and so I think praising myself for the small wins has been big for me because I think it's easy to overlook the small wins yeah Um, but I think and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a self-reward every time but taking time to just okay I got an 82 on this test that was freaking hard but you did it good job okay next thing Okay, you you got up. You said you wanted to get up at seven to do this essay, and you did it. Good job. But and I think if you fail at those little wins, it's fine. And because they're small wins, I think they're easily repeatable. But if you get your eyes set on this too broad of a thing, yeah, I think it's very easily overcomplicated. I guess. For sure, I like that a little small math equations have uh, pluses and minuses, right? I yeah. love that. Um, and would you say uh, there's a correlation between success and confidence maybe? And if so, why? Yeah. Why that? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good question. I'd never thought about that, but I'd say, I guess it comes down to like, what do you define confidence as and I think that definition can be different for everyone um, sure. but confidence is always important and I think it's sometimes tough for people to figure out how to have that and that's definitely a learning curve that I've been going on and then it resorts back to if I can have better self-talk and then I can have success at comp- accomplishing some of these goals that I have in setting small goals, but also big goals, like you've done it. You've did that. If you've done it once, you could do it again. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, that was very scatterbrained answer, but (laughs) it wasn't wasn't too scatterbrained at at all, you know? And that's why I like kind of doing these things because you you don't know what the answer is going to be. And that's the whole point. Yeah. Just Logan. You know, my, my job is not ever to push an agenda on the people that I interview. Like I legitimately think everyone has something that they can take from any of the interviews that I do. And so I love to kind of hear what you come up with. So sorry if I put you on the spot, but no, it's good. I love it. <laughs> um, and I think along the same lines that the second part of that is that, you know, our athletes struggle a lot with um, pressure and pressure Mm -hmm. a lot of times comes from, like I said before, like home environments, a lot of times, like your parents want the best for you. They have these expectations for you. Um, sometimes those expectations are really heavy. Um, if people don't know how to manage them or, uh, don't know like how to actually get to the things that like are causing those pressure moments. And so uh, do you have any advice or would you give any advice? I know you work with little athletes or younger athletes as well. And, you know, you have to kind of deal with parents a little bit and you can kind of hear and feel sometimes there's some parents are a little overbearing or, but they just want to like help like, Oh, try this, like do this, do that. And you're like, what? she's got a lesson with me. Let me, <laughs> let me take her and do the thing I need to do with her. I don't really need you to give the 
the two cents at that point. And so what advice, you know, can you give parents in this scenario? Like, you know, with the eight year old kids that you're working with that are, you can kind of see the cycle starting to happen now. They're like, oh gosh, this could be something that could really like be beneficial to your relationship with with your daughter or it could not be, you know, how do we give them advice to like keep them on the track of like it being a beneficial type of relationship? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I mean, it's more prominent the younger you are and it's still prominent as you get older, but not as much is, especially when I'm working with pitchers, it's very easy and it happens very quick for them to become overwhelmed when I'm saying something. And then as soon as I take a breath or like, just, cause I don't want to say something every pitch because then it's like micromanaging them. So let me set these guidelines and let me support you, but I want you to figure it out. And I want you to feel it on your own because you're the pitcher I'm guiding you, but I can't feel what you feel. Um, so it's easy for them to become overwhelmed when, okay, we're working on one thing. And especially the younger they are, I want to work on as little as possible. And yes, would I like them to fix A, B, C, D, E, F, G? Yes. But we can only work on A and B today because otherwise nothing's going to happen. Right. Um, and so I think it's easy for them to spread themselves thin and become overwhelmed when we're working on A and B and then mom, dad, whoever's catching suggests G and E. Yeah. They're just like, wait, what? Because they, it's not that they want to tune mom and dad out and they want to listen, especially when they're really young. Yeah. Um, and they're still a little dependent. It's, they want to, they want to please both. Yeah. And then they're trying to do so much that they can't do anything well. And so I think the more simple you can make it, the better because it's easy. And I've I've even felt this on the flip side of it, like me taking pitching and hitting lessons and every now and then at UW, like, okay, I have so much. There's like 10 things they're trying to get me to focus on. I just, I don't have the brain capacity for that. Like I literally can only focus on two things. Yeah. And so I would just say how simple can you make it for their, your kids? Yeah. Um, and I remember I would always hate, and it, I mean, it happens all the time, but like you have a bad game, you have a bad tournament, and then you, then it's the like getting in the car that's like, uh-huh. I don't want to <laughs> get in the car because then I'm going to get a lecture or we're going to talk about my swing. I don't want to talk about my swing. Yeah. Um, but I would say, I mean, again, it's different for every relationship, but I would say, can you have like how simple can you make it, but also let them respond to failure. And again, just like place these, you're going to try and support them and boost them up and you're placing this fence, but let them run around in the yard and kind of, again, like figure it out on their own. Because if you figure it out for them, what tools did that build them? You know, Mm. like you set the, here's, here's the ball. Here's the T here's the bat you got to hit it. I can't hit it for you. Yeah. But I can give you all the tools, I guess. I love it. I love that. And, um, kind of a, I didn't have this question on the paper. So I have two things uh, I want to ask you, um, as an adult now, and like, you know, like you said, like, I think even as coaches, like when you get to college, like you have, you have, you know, four or five coaches that you work with on a daily basis. And, and like you said, sometimes it can be information overload. And I'm just curious, like, you know, any advice for how like athletes can maybe communicate, like, 
or any tips to help them communicate like, hey, like, I think I just need or like, what can they do to kind of work through that pressure situation of always getting information overlay overload? What can they do? Any tips to them for that? Mm, I'd say just being open and honest. I think the more open and honest you can be with your coaches and your mentors and whatever. And if you're feeling that, like, Mm. Oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. Just communicate that. And again, it's going to be different for everyone to communicate that. But like, if I'm coaching a pitching lesson and my athlete says, coach Brooke, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Can we simplify this? Absolutely. Like there's going to be zero anger or frustration. It's almost going to be like, well, come on. Why'd you overwhelm her? Like, yeah. Yeah. Shame on you, Brooke, you know? Um, but I think just expressing that because otherwise I guess sometimes coaches will get going so fast that they don't even know. Exactly. And like, Oh, I guess I was trying to get you to work on eight different things because you want the success for them so bad and you want it all to happen at once. Yeah. Even if that's not your intention at all, it happens. Yeah. And so I think just as an athlete, just communicating that because sometimes, sometimes we know and sometimes we don't. Yeah. Yeah. And then you talked about, um, you know, having to get into the the car, the car ride after maybe a, a moment where you don't succeed. Yeah. And I'm curious, what's your, what is, what do you, what's your failure recovery type of a system that you go through? Mm, I don't know if I have a wonderful one. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You have one. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's just very like, if I'm really frustrated, I just need to be like left alone. <laughs> like I just need, no one talked to me for an hour. Like, let me just deal with it on my own. Whether it's like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. Okay. I'm going to, a lot of times if I'm frustrated and then I haven't eaten, I become very hangry. <laughs> <laughs> And no one likes hangry people, <laughs> especially a hangry brook. Um, at least for me, I don't, I'm not bothered by alone time. I know some people don't like being alone at all and that's fine. Yeah. But for me, it's just, okay, just leave me alone. I'll figure it out. I'll get over it. And it's the same thing with like, when I get injured, like when I would get hurt or something at home or whatever, like, unless it's serious and I'm knocked out or there's a bone popping out of my body, like don't ask me, are you okay? What's wrong? What happened right away? Cause then I'm going to be like, stop. Yeah. You know? And it's just, at least for me, like, I just need just pause, pause the communication, pause the world for a second. Let me just deal with it on my own. I'll get over it. Sometimes it's going to take me longer than others. Like, okay, you just, you just need to go to bed, Brooke, or you need to eat and then I'm fine. For sure. All right. Two more questions for you. And then we'll, uh, we'll wrap this thing up and, uh, you know, just, uh, you've seemed to be like pretty like well-seasoned in your, uh, experiences and, um, and, you know, like just your life and everything. And, and I, I love that about you. And I'm just curious, um, like, do you listen to any like podcasts or any books that kind of help you like, grow and develop like as a, as a person, as an athlete, as a student, um, any things that you recommend can recommend to the community to maybe take a look to look at or listen to? Yeah, I would say I probably don't read as many books and listen to as many podcasts as I should, just because I only have so much time. And when I do that sort of thing, it's on breaks, summer break, winter breaks, spring break. 
Um, so that's definitely an aspiration of mine to do more, yeah. but at least the place where I'm at in my life right now, if I devote all that time there, nine times out of 10, it's going to be neglecting school. Yeah. And so I have like, I have multiple books that I want to read and stuff, but I just don't have that time right now. But I would say something that's helped me become, I guess, versatile and experiences and knowledges is just meeting and communicating and interacting with as many people as possible. And whether it's doing a pitching camp with another coach or like a couple of weeks ago, I did a pitching camp up at based by pros in Linwood with Danielle Orvella. Um, yes, she probably has a new last name now, but, but I got you. Yeah. And like listening again, the same parameters of pitching, but just different ways to, Oh, I didn't think about teaching it that way. And like, just for example, like something that I took away that I'll forever do at any camp, whatever that I give is, and I mean, the kids were, I don't know, seven to 11. So they were on the younger side, but at the end of camp, she held a piece of paper and she's like, I want to encourage all of you to brain dump every single thing that you've learned today and put it on a piece of paper. Because when you wake up tomorrow, boom, it's your paper in half and she threw the half away. You're going to have this much. And then when you wake up the next day, boom, she rips it again. And then she goes down four days and she's got a piece of paper this big. And I had never thought of it that way. And I think that was a genius way to visually explain it to a kid. And that's something that I'll forever do. And that's completely going down a separate path. But I think the more that you can interact with different people in your field in our field is softball and coaching softball and playing softball. But I think people just have different ways and different drills and ways to explain things that you could have every intention of thinking of it a different way, but until you hear it from someone else, just because you don't have necessarily all the experiences that someone else has. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think just crossing paths with someone that's had a different experience as you, but still doing the same thing of coaching or whatever I think that's been super, super helpful. Even if it's just another athlete, like picking another athlete's brain of how do you get yourself to do this? Or how do you, how'd you figure out this? Or what does that feel like? And just hearing again, just different. I think it's powerful as a coach. If you have multiple ways to say different things, because they're going to click with athletes differently. Yeah. So a phrase that clicks with me isn't necessarily going to click with coach Carter. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So my last question is, um, you know, I'm, I'm super big on like feeling value, feeling worth, um, feeling connection. Um, also, but at the same time, like knowing who you are and what you bring to the table and, and things like that and what your strengths are. And, um, you know, cause to me, like what your strengths are, they're like your superpowers. Um, and so I have this, all, all this question, like this thing about owning her power. And so, um, you know, my final question that I always ask is like, what is one trait that you believe every female athlete should have to own her power in the world? Hmm. One trait. Yep. Hmm. know oh, it's just like necessarily a trait but I value the f- like physical strength of a female mm. 
I think that's often overlooked and undervalued in the society that we live in today. And so like you are strong, you are strong mentally, you are strong physically. And I think it's strong is beautiful. Strong is powerful. And I think not trying to fit yourself into society's little box of you have to be this way. Like it's boring. It's boring to be everyone else. Like be you. And I think that's a tricky thing to get a hold of. But I think at least for me, when I feel powerful, I'm, I guess, like admiring how physically strong I am. And like, and I think that's a narrative that should be changed more. Because I think a lot of times, oh, I look manly. I look too strong. I look bold. And you even hear it. You hear it all the time, probably more than people think. Yeah. At the collegiate athletic level. Like you, your body does, I mean, even at our level, like your body does incredible things. It's going to have to be strong. That's good. Like you don't have to diminish your body and change it Mm. just because that's what you think society wants. Yeah. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. And you're so right and true. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And uh, for sure. Thanks for being on here with me today. And yes, thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, be on the lookout for future ones in the future. But uh, again, thanks, Brooke, for being here. Yes. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 